Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. So I was a child of the 80s, and if, if you were a child of the 80s, you can totally relate to this. But growing up, I, all the media, the movies, the TV shows, they kind of made me feel like I wanted to be the chosen one. Right? I mean, movies like The Last Starfighter. Anybody remember that? Where there's a kid, he played this video game, and he was just, he played, played until he got so good, and he hit this certain level, and then you realize the video game was placed there by aliens who were looking for someone who could just fight this intergalactic war and win because he was the chosen one. And oh my gosh, I gobbled that up. I wanted to be The Last Starfighter. Or the never-ending story where Sebastian was chosen to find this book. Guys, I know, like, if you haven't seen these, but if you have, everyone's like, yeah. So, and he finds this book, and he, like, goes, you know, goes to the land of Fantasia and saves Fantasia and, you know, I'll try you. Anybody? Okay, there's a couple. I wanted to be chosen to save Fantasia in the never-ending story. I mean, these things are st- I mean, still around. I mean, how many of you guys grew up reading the Harry Potter books and you wanted to be the boy who lived, right? You wanted to be the kid with the special powers who could dispense with all the evil in the world. Or maybe, maybe recently, you know, you want to be like, like Rey in Star Wars and you want to be the one who the Force chooses, You want to be the one who's been chosen with a special calling to make a special impact and to make a special difference in the world. I wanted that so bad. And I know this, like it doesn't even matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not. I mean, you may not be a Bible or a church person, but you can still even understand that with us, this idea of wanting to understand your special calling. What have I been chosen for? What am I, what is, what is my special, distinct, unique calling in this world, this desire for something bigger than ourselves, for something special. And I think that as long as that exists in us, this desire to figure out what our calling is, we can kind of go through the everyday steps of life just kind of waiting for something to happen. Anybody ever feel like that? That like work is just something that you endure until you can figure out what am I chosen for. School is this thing that you just take like a punch in the face every day until you can discover your calling or discover what you're chosen for or discover that opportunity that you're just waiting for in life. You just, life is something to endure, to push through until that opportunity to be the person who we were always intended to be comes our way. Man, when I was in college, in my early 20s, I just wanted to be in a band so bad. And I worked so many crummy day jobs in order to make that dream happen. And I worked in warehouses. I I remember working in a warehouse, just pushing carts around and like just trying to write songs in my head. And I would tear pieces of cardboard off and I'd write lyrics, maybe like some music, so I wouldn't forget stuff. And like, I'm just literally there going, God, what am I doing? This is a waste of my life. This is not what I was intended to be. I was chosen. I was called to be something different. And I know that deep down, many of us can relate to that. Maybe it's on the big scale where you're like, yeah, Chris, I totally grasp that. I am a, my life is a waste right now because I don't know what I, I'm not doing what I should be doing, and I don't know what that is. But maybe even for you, it's just this deep down nagging feeling that there's something more. You like your job. You like your life. You like school. But, but there's something deep down inside of you, and you just, there's got to be something more. And today we're starting off a brand new message series because I want you to know something. And God wants you to know something too. You are chosen. You are called. There is a special purpose that he has designed 
for each and every single one of us. There is a calling that is unique just to you. And, and whether you're in the marketplace or whether you're in school or whether you're in the home, there is a calling that when you can discover it and when you can step into it, your life can be completely transformed. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about this spiritually designed God calling, this thing that God has chosen you specifically for, and I want to shine some light on this because here's the thing. Many of us can look at spiritual life, and we can think that spiritual life is this thing that exists on Sunday mornings, right? So spiritual life is Sunday. Spiritual life is here in church services. And we even say things like, I'm going to go to church because that's where, that's where we discover all these things and we experience all the things that God has for us. And Sunday is the day. It's set apart and we experience all of those things in this place at this specific time. But what I want us to know is that spiritual life is not segregated just to Sundays. In fact, I would make the case that God designed your spiritual life to both be expressed, discovered, and experienced every other day of the week except Sunday. Because here's the thing, you were made for Mondays. Sunday is when we gather, but you were made for Mondays. And what we need to do is we need to discover what it looks like to discover and experience God's unique mission for each and every single one of us. And so we're starting off this Made for Mondays message series to begin talking about this today. And so what I want to do is I just want to lay the groundwork today. And we're going to look at something that, that the Apostle Peter wrote in a letter to, uh, to some Christians who he was trying to instruct and teach. Now, Peter, if you don't know who he was, uh, Peter was one of Jesus' close disciples. Uh, he was, honestly, in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, he was described as one of Jesus' closest friends. Uh, and we know this, that Peter walked with Jesus. Peter was, you know, passionate about following Jesus. And, and yet when Jesus was crucified, Peter was like one of the first ones to abandon him. But then something happened, and Jesus rose from the dead, and all of a sudden you see Peter like devoting his life, being willing to die for this cause of following Jesus that, that he had abandoned just you know, days and weeks before. And, and so Peter became this kind of pillar of the church. Uh, people looked at Peter as, as a key leader in the, in the be very beginnings of the church of Jesus. And so Peter wrote several letters to Christians trying to give them instruction and guidance on what it means to follow Jesus and how to understand how to live a life of following Jesus. And he wrote this, this, this section of a letter that I think speaks to helping us understand our spiritual calling and understand how it is that God wants us to experience what we were chosen to experience. And so in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter begins this way in verse chapter 4. He says, You are coming to Christ— who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Now, I think right out of the gate, Peter's like, he's, he's, he's using words like chosen. You were selected. You were chosen. You were called. And he starts at the very beginning of this saying this, what I'm going to tell you about your unique calling, what you were chosen to experience in life that's uniquely yours, it starts one place. And it starts with Jesus. I also think it's interesting, Peter is using this analogy. I mean, a lot of people back then who were followers of Jesus, who became Christians, came out of a Jewish background. And so Peter's tagging on to that, and he's using building imagery uh, related to the temple. Now, back then, if you were a Jew in first, in first century Palestine or Judea, the temple was the center of all spiritual life. It's where everything 
happened. It's where everything is. They believed that the temple was the place that God lived. He inhabited that place. And so if you wanted to go be close to God, you had to go to the temple. It's where they had to go to offer sacrifices to, so that God could deal with their sin and their brokenness. The temple was the center of every bit of Jewish life and Jewish spirituality. And Peter is saying this. He's saying, you are being, you are being called and chosen to follow Jesus, who is the cornerstone of this new temple. And then he says this. He goes on. He says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. The temple, this spiritual place, this one spiritual place, the only place that God inhabited in Jewish thought. And Peter is saying this. I want you to rethink everything that you think you know about temple. I want you to rethink everything you know about spiritual life. Because here's what you need to understand. Jesus is now the cornerstone of a new temple. And you, as followers of Jesus, have been chosen, have been selected, have been called, and now you are being built into something new, into something distinct, into something spiritual and powerful. And now the temple was the only place that God's presence inhabited in Jewish thought. And this is what Peter's saying. He's saying, very first thing I want you to understand, to understand how called and chosen you are, is that now you have been called to be the place, to be the people that God's presence inhabits. Peter's saying this, you are now, because you've been chosen, you've been called by God, you got to understand this, you are a vessel. When you follow Jesus, you are a container for the presence of God. God no longer exists in one building in one place. It is now you, and it is now me, and it is now us. We are the vessel, the container. We are the new temple of God. Where you go, God goes. When you go to the gas station, God goes to the gas station. When you go to Portillo's, God goes to Portillo's. I mean, if you go to the bathroom, God goes with you to the bathroom. Where you go, God goes because you are a vessel. You are a container of God's presence. And here's what this means. That means that you are also a delivery mechanism for the presence of God. You see, the temple in Jewish thought was the place that people could go and experience God, experience his presence. But now, you are the temple. You are a stone that's being built onto the cornerstone of Jesus. You are now the delivery mechanism for the power and the presence of God. You've been chosen. You carry the force. It's not a building. It's not a place. It's not a day of the week. And Peter, in writing this, he completely wipes out this old way of thinking about spiritual life, both, both in Judaism and in just the Roman spiritual thought. Where I mean, they built these big, beautiful temples to the Roman and Greek gods in the same way, and they believe these gods inhabited these places. And Peter says, no, 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 forget all that. This is a whole new template. This is a whole new way of thinking about how God wants to move in our lives. And that is that you are now a vessel of God's presence. Not a building, not a day of the week, and not a service. He continues to say this. What's more, you're not only being built into God's temple, into his building, but you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God, please God, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. So Peter's not just redefining the temple, the place that God's presence inhabits, but he's redefining the priesthood. Priests were very they, they were a select group of people. 
Not every, you couldn't just say, I want to be a priest and do it. They had to be born in a specific line from specific families, and they had to be trained and chosen. And it was, it was a select few who could be priests. And Peter says, not anymore. Peter says, now everyone is a priest. Everyone has access to the presence of God. You don't just carry God, but now you are, you are called to minister into God's presence and to minister God's presence to other people. Let's just break this down into modern day vernacular, okay? You, as followers of Jesus, are pastors. You are the ones who are called and chosen and selected to perform the ministry. Check this out. This is what Paul says. Paul illuminates this in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Back then in the first century, all of these things were, were fairly distinct, and they were trying to figure out what was the flow of things, and there were different spiritual gifts that people operated in. And this is what he said that God gave, the, gave to the church in order to kind of lead the church organization. And he says this, their responsibility— is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Okay, let me read that again. Their responsibility, the pastors, the teachers, is to equip God's people to what? To do his work. Do you get that? That means you are the workers. You are the people who, who are the priests who carry God's presence into the world. Like, I want you to rethink Okay, everything that you know about church. Okay, because sometimes we can sit in seats, and I remember, I remember what it was like to sit out in the seat and look up on stage and feel like, man, the pastors and the people on stage, they're the, you know, they're the, they're the ones, and they're the people, the real spiritual workers and all that. And that is just so not God's intention. You know why? Because you were chosen. You are special. You are the quarterback. I'm an equipment manager, okay? My job is to make sure that your jock strap is the right size so that you can get into the game and you can play. I mean, do you get that? You are the team. You are the players. My job is to make sure your helmets are clean and that they fit and that you're equipped to go out into the game and play to the best of your ability. You are not an audience, you are the people God is sending into the world. And when you understand that, doesn't that totally change the way that you think about Sundays? Like Sunday mornings, this, these services, you know, this is, not, this is not spiritual life, okay? This is not the goal, our meeting here. This is a pep rally. This is the pep rally so that we can send you, the team, out into the world and you can go win the game. That's all this is. The game doesn't happen on Sundays. The game happens on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and in your homes and in your schools and in your workplace. You were made for Mondays. And this, this is just an expression of God's will for you to be equipped and sent. Why? Because you were chosen. You were called. You are special. You are the last starfighter. You are the boy who lived. You have been given the force. It's you. This is what's crazy. Check this out. 1 Peter 5, 9. P Peter describes this even a little bit more. He says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. Why? Why are you all of those things? Why did God make you a priesthood? Why did God build you into his temple? Why did God choose you and make you special? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Why were you chosen? Why were you selected? 
It wasn't so that you could come and sit in a church service and experience God's presence like the, like the Jews would come to the temple. It was so that you could go into your life, into your world, and you could declare the praises of the God who saved you, of God who set you free, of God who's, helped, who's given you the experience of new life in him. You were called and chosen to go, to be sent. Peter continues, and he, he, I love this. At the very end of this passage, he kind of gives just a little bit of like instruction. He says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Okay, be careful. Think about how you're living. He says, then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. You were chosen. You were selected. God called you to declare his praises. And he's like, just in your regular life, in your world, just live in a way that would honor and please God so that, why? So that the people around you, your neighbors, your family, your classmates, your coworkers, they could just see the way you live. And even in just seeing the way you live, that somehow they would see that God has done something different in you. That there's something different about your life. And through that, they might in the same way honor God. I know there's people... Um, in this room even, who've had the experience, uh, you became a follower of Jesus, and you had, there was people in your life, you know, people, your friends, and they're like, I don't get it, I don't understand what, what this is all about, what you're doing, it just seemed crazy to them. Maybe you have the family, and it just seemed crazy to them. This, this new life, this new commitment that you had in following Jesus, and your choice, your decision to, to give your life over to him, it wasn't about trying to ram anything down somebody's throat, it's not about that, but you made a decision to live in such a way that your, your actions brought voice to declare God's praises. Why? Because you understand that you were chosen, you were called, and you were selected by God to experience something bigger, something more. So I just want to take the last, I don't know, several minutes, just kind of share with you a little bit of my experience with some of this stuff. Because here's the thing. I was not always, I was not always a pastor, right? I was not always in ministry. I worked in the real world. I had real jobs. Um, some of them really sucked. And, you know, so like I can, if you hate your job, I can, yeah, I'm with you. But I, I had experience living life in the real world, okay? I used to be on the team before I became an equipment manager. And, and there were times I mean, many times, for me especially, because I wanted to be the last starfighter, where I was just like, God, oh, why? What am I doing? I just want to be doing something different. I just want more. My life needs to account for more. And I worked at a collection agency, and I was a, I was a supervisor, and I had a team of people. And, and here's the thing. I was really, really involved in church. I was really plugged in. I was leading in a youth ministry. I was playing on the band. Um, it was no secret that I was a follower of Jesus where I worked. Um, and and it, it just, I just kind of lived it out. I didn't, again, I wasn't trying to ram stuff down people's throats. I didn't like, you know, leave a Bible crap, cracked open with highlighted verses on my desk so that people might accidentally stop by. Oh, what's this? Well, let me tell you. You know, I, I, I wasn't, that wasn't how I kind of lived it out. But, but I remember there was a girl on my team, uh, Emily. And Emily was, was struggling, and she would come in late a lot, and she would call in sick a lot, and, and there were times where, where I would have to pull her back, and I'd be like, I gotta write you up, you know, where you at, what's going on, and she'd be like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. She's like, I'm just, I'm just sick, I'm just sick a lot. And I'm like, well, okay, you guys gotta be careful because, you know, anymore, you're gonna, they're gonna have to let you go, and so just make sure you're here. 
And one day, she didn't come in till late. And I was like, Snake, I got to talk to her because this could be it. She, she's going to lose her job. And she came in, and she just looked awful. She, said, well, she looked like she had a cold, and she was just miserable. And, and so I took her back into one of the conference rooms, and I was just like, I was like, hey, what is going on with you? She's like, I'm just not feeling well. I'm just sick. And I was like, no, really. I mean, something's up. What is happening? What is wrong? Because you're missing a lot. And she just broke down crying. And she was like, she says, I have a drug problem. And it's just controlling my life. And I, I just can't shake it. What, what is it? What's going on? She's like, I am addicted to heroin. She's like, I just, every time I try to quit, I can't. And I go and buy more. And she's like, I started smoking it, and now I'm shooting it up. And I just, if I don't, if I don't get high, I just feel miserable. And so when I try to kick it, I just feel like I'm dying. I feel like I'm sick. And I'm so sick, I can't come to work, and I just don't know what to do. And I remember I was sitting across the table from her, and I remember thinking to myself, okay. I was like, I really have a couple choices. One is I can take her up to HR and we can just figure that out there. I was like, the other is I could talk to this girl about Jesus and I can pray for her right now. And I was like, can I do that? Like, can, it, can, like, can a supervisor at a call center, you know, sit in a conference room and tell his drug addict employee about Jesus? And, and so I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. And so I remember sitting across from her, I was like, Emily, I was like, here's the thing. I was like, we'll figure out the work stuff. I said, but right now you're, you're broken. Your life is broken. And I don't even would even led you to heroin or even led you to become addicted to it or let you take it. But I was like, you just got to know that God loves you. And she just blah, starts sobbing and there's snot and there's tears. And I was just like, and I was like, I just want you to know that God loves you. And you may feel like you're worthless right now. And you may feel like your life is just out of control and you'll never be able to get it back. I want you to know that, that God still has a plan for you. And I was like, can I pray for you? She's like, <laughs> yes. She's mine. I'm just like, I, just want to, I don't want to get too close to touch. I don't want boogers on me. because I can, I can do a lot of gross stuff, but snots, I'm out. And so I go around and I'm like, can I pray for you? She's like, yeah. And so I go around and I'm like, dear Lord, and I'm praying for her. But I also am kind of like peeking out the corner of my eye to like see if, make sure no one's like looking in the room because I'm like, I'm going to get fired for this. I just know this is weird. And so I prayed for her and then she pulled herself together. She sat up. Are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm okay. And I was like, what do you need? She's like, I think I just need to work. I'm okay. And I kid you not, like from that moment on, God just did something in her. And like, I, she never came to my church. And, and I mean, she never, she never showed up on a Sunday. It was never anything like that. But in just that moment, God was interjected into that space. And it wasn't, he wasn't interjected in that space because I was like, Emily, I'm a pastor and I'm an expert on scripture. And I just want you to know, you know, it wasn't that. It wasn't, I'm a, you know, I'm a Christian counselor and I just want to help walk you through your problems. It wasn't that at all. I was the guy who could fire her and probably should because she was late so often. But I was made for Mondays. And ministry didn't just happen on the Sunday morning. God made me from Monday through Saturday. And Terry and I lived in Kansas City, 
Um, we were in ministry, and we were we did worship ministry at a church plant down there, and uh, and it was awesome. And I mean, I was like, Sundays were were life, right? Sundays was were everything. But we had these neighbors who lived right next to us, and I remember when we moved in that like they were a little weird, and they had two kids who were who were our kid, two of our kids' age, and and the kids would play out in the backyard sometimes, and every once in a while the dad would walk out, and when he'd see us in the backyard, he would like shuffle his kids back in the house, and it was just it was just weird. He, he was just a little weird, and we never saw mom. I mean, every once in a while we'd see like mom's shadow cross a window in the backyard you know, like Bates Motel type thing. <laughs> and it was like, we didn't, we just never saw her. And it was, it was weird. And then there was this period where we never saw mom. We didn't see mom for months. And it was just odd. And so we'd let our kids play with theirs, but there's always, they all, there's always this kind of wall of distance that, that, that they put up between us and them. It's like, they really didn't want us to get close. And I, you know, I was just kind of, I don't know. I didn't know what it was, but I had this weird, suspicious feeling that something was going on in that house. No, oh, I just didn't know. It just made me feel weird and nervous. Well, there was one Saturday night where police cars pulled up right in front of our house. Lights going, like three or four of them, and then an ambulance pulls up, lights going. And I'm like, and you know, you, what do you do? And lights, you're, you're rubbernecking, looking out the window, what's going on? What's happening? And they're right, they, they, every, these cops are running up to our neighbor's house. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And as I'm looking, I see cops escorting the wife out of the house and she has just a huge black eye. I mean, her face is just bruised. And we see them escort her into the, into the ambulance and her husband was just out sitting on the steps. And I'm like, oh, I'm in ministry. I, I work on Sundays, man. I, I'm working tomorrow. Like, I got enough people in my own church I got to worry about. You know, because that's, that's how we kind of think sometimes. And I was like, I need to go out and just see if he's all right. And so I'm like, Terry, I'm going to go out and I'm just going to make sure, I'm going to see what's going on. So I go outside and um, the ambulance leaves as I'm walking out and he's just sitting on the steps with his head, his head in his hands. The cop cars are still there. I'm like, hey, what, are you okay? I just make sure you're okay. He's like, yeah, it, it's fine, it's fine. And I didn't want to ask, but I was just like, hey, I just want you to know that, like, I don't know what's going on, but if you ever need someone to watch your kids or if you want us to take your kids, I mean, we can, you can, you can drop them off here anytime. I mean, if you, if you need help with that. And he was like, he's like, yeah, I would appreciate that. He's like, if you could take them now, that would be awesome. And then he just starts to unload. And he says this, he's like, he says, I know it looks like I hit my wife. He's like, that's not what happened. I didn't hit my wife. He's like, my wife is an alcoholic, and she's been an alcoholic for a couple years, and, and he's like, We've, I've tried so hard to hide it. I've tried so hard to keep you guys or anyone else from finding out, um, and he's like, but, you know, she came home tonight drunk, and she was going up the stairs to our house, and she fell down and hit the side of her face on the concrete steps outside of our house, because she was drunk. And he's like, I don't know what to do anymore. I just, I can't live like this anymore. She's driven with the kids in the car. I, I, I can't, I don't know what to do. I just need help. I can't do this anymore. He said, in fact, he's like, he's like, and I, I was just like, wow. I mean, that's heavy. It's like, I wondered if something was going on because we never really saw your wife. But he's like, well, the reason you didn't see her was because she was in prison in California for DUI for a while. And then when she got out, she came back home and, and I thought everything was good and I thought it was going to be all right. And it just fell apart again. 
And I was like, well, man, listen, I was like, if we can help in any way, I was like, we'll watch your kids, whatever. I didn't even go in hot like, you know, thus saith the Lord. I just want you to know. It wasn't even, it wasn't like that. Because it's like real world. This is real world. It's, it's not church, you know. It's not the church box. And so it's just like, we'll watch your kids. Just let us know what you need. And he's like, all right, that'd be great. If you could take them now, that'd be awesome. And then, you know, if you can keep them tonight. And then when they get home, we'll figure it out. I'm like, great. I think, okay, that's it. We're done. We'll watch their kids tonight, and then everything, they'll go to their corner. We'll go to our corner. Everything's going to be fine. Well, it just, it didn't get better. And I mean, there's another night. I don't know. It felt like it always happened on Saturday nights, like late. But he called us again. They're calling over, and he's like, hey, can you just come over? I just, she's drunk out of her mind, and I just can't be around her anymore. I just can't do this. And the kids are here, and I just can't. I can't do it. We just come over and just, I don't know, just talk to her. Or just, I'm like, Okay. So and Terry's like, do I have to go? And I was like, no, you know. So, so Terry stayed home with our kids. I went over there. It's like 9 o'clock at night. I mean, his kids are in their pajamas. So I go over, and, and she is just completely drunk in the living room. And she is just, and she's just going off and talking. You know how people, when they get really drunk, can be. And she's just, yeah. And, and he, this is like, I don't know what he was even doing. He brought me over, and then... He puts me living with her, and then he just leaves with his kids, like, back into the bedroom or something. Like, I was just this magic bullet that was just going to, like, <laughs> just take care of her, please. Get her away. And I, I, I was over there for, like, three hours, just sitting on the couch, and I'm talking to her while she's crazy drunk. And he didn't need one coming out. And so she gradually sobers up. And I'm just like, I was like, man, I just, I just want you to know. I was like, I don't know. I don't know why or what's caused you to drink the way you do. I can obviously tell you're hurting. And I was like, I just want you to know, like, God loves you and God sees you. And I can't imagine that you want to live your life like this. And I just want you to know that if you want it, God will help you. And again, ah, snot, you know, I don't know why snot's always involved when God's involved, but Maybe it's a spiritual byproduct of the presence of God. That's how you know God moved. You just had a lot. Oh, church was great. Why? I just had so much snot. <laughs> but I talked, talked to her, and she sobered up, and she, she started telling me about her life. Started telling me about the sexual and physical abuse she had when she was a child. Started talking about her experience and, and why she drank and why she, what she was running from in her heart and in her life. So I prayed with her. I was like, listen, if you want God to move in life, he will. You just, just ask him. And she prayed, and we prayed. And then I was like, if you need anything. And so basically for the next several months, Terry and I just watched their kids every day. In fact, Terry watched them literally every day. They would come home from school, and she would get them off the bus. And then in the summers, they would hang out at our house, and we watched them every day. They never came to our church. Never. Never heard our band doing worship music. Never heard, a, you know, a sermon never sat in the box of our church at all, not one time. But God transformed their lives. And I look at their Facebook. It's amazing to look at their Facebook now. I mean, they live in a totally different state, but seeing their kids grow up and seeing how their families transformed and changed. We even talked to them. They rented our house for a while and talked to him about how God had completely transformed and changed their marriage, had completely transformed and changed their lives. And it didn't happen because they came to church. It happened because... Terry and I were just made for Mondays. And you are made for Mondays. Stop.
stop thinking that God moves and that ministry happens on Sundays in a predetermined set of, of an hour and a half in this space because it doesn't. God made you to make a difference in your world. And so to even just start this off, the question I want to ask you today is, will you just say yes? God's saying, will you be my ambassadors? Will you be the priests that I've called you to be, to impact a world, to impact a generation, to make a difference in a community, to make God accessible to everyone in Bloomington Normal? Will you be the priests who do that? Because if you don't, it won't happen. Because all of Bloomington Normal is not going to come to a box church. Even when we buy this building that we're buying right now and we move in, all of Bloomington Normal is not going to come pack those doors because, oh, they got a building now. Well, let's all go. It doesn't work that way. God made you priests. He made you the temple that carries his presence into the world. And his question to you today is, will you do it? Will you just say yes? Will you let us equip you and send you into your community to be the pastors and priests that he's called you to do? Will you stand with me? Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you'd speak into our hearts, that you'd move in us, Jesus. Lord, today, we say yes to what you've called us to, to what you've created us for. Lord, you made us for ministry, and that's not Sundays, but it's every other day. And today, Lord, we say yes to you. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com. 